0: I feel like in a lot of ways we're just kind of naturally geared to think negatively of kings and monarchies and just our history in America. We think kings, we think tyrants, we think oppressive, we think power hungry, we think always fighting for control. Um, we, We think the monarchy is like something outdated, antiquated, we've now moved on to the better form of government and the democracy, right? We leave that in the past, we're always moving forward. There's very few good kings when we think of like for example, I think of like King George, we don't think well of him. Napoleon, we typically don't think well of him. Even in the scriptures, there's there's a big negative bit towards monarchies in general. I think about like Pharaoh as the king of Egypt. He's known for being oppressive, putting the people of Israel into slavery. Not people we don't like we don't like Pharaoh, he's a negative guy. Think about, for example, King Herod the Great, who, when Jesus was born, slaughtered all the, 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 pe- all the boys to and under in an in, in attempt to maintain power, to crush anything that might challenge his authority. His son, the other King Herod, who killed John the Baptist, who persecuted Jesus at the time of his passion. Think about Pilate and Caesar and all these people who are affiliated with monarchical rule. We don't think well of them. In the Old Testament, I- Israel was a kingdom but without, except for maybe like David and Solomon, almost every king of Israel was thought of as a bad person, an evil man who led the people of Israel away from God. The monarchy in Israel was not a good thing. That was almost like, a, other than David and Solomon, a dark period of of Israel's history. So it might be weird to say that today we're going to honor Christ as a king, when everything, both in the scriptures and in our own context, seems to think poorly of kings. Why do we want Jesus to be a king? The Jews and the Pharisees brought Jesus, they had him arrested, precisely because, they that's what they told Pilate, this guy's saying he's the king of the Jews. And Pilate, obviously, does not want an insurrection on his hands. He doesn't want anyone to challenge Caesar's authority. And so he's going to take this, this question seriously. And so we see in the Gospel this little exchange between Jesus and Pilate, where Jesus actually kind of says a lot, about the kind of king he is, and the kind of king he desires to be in our life, and precisely why he says that he's a king. So Pilate asks Jesus this question: Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus, of course, doesn't answer in a direct way. I feel like he very rarely answers questions directly. But what he says, says a lot about the kind of kingdom that he that the that kind of king that he is. Jesus says, My kingdom, my kingship. Is not of this world, is what he says. And that's a very telling line, but that's how Jesus answers the question. For slice so that, that word world has a very special meaning. What Jesus is not saying is that my kingdom has nothing to do with earth. My kingdom is in heaven. That's where my kingdom is. We're going to look forward to a kingdom of heaven where I'll reign over there. But my kingdom is not of this world right here, right now. All this creation, the created world that God holds in existence. That's not what he's saying. Precisely the opposite of what he's saying. Because this kingdom has everything to do with this world. He is not just a heavenly king. He, he rules everything. The king of the whole universe, the feast day, is called today. But Jesus is saying something very important. When, when, particularly in John's gospel, when we use that word world, it's got a special meaning. What it means is this world apart from God's design, apart from God's creation. So we say so he's a worldly king not in the sense that he doesn't have an earthly rule, but in the sense that he, rules not a, he always rules in accord with what God intends, right? So when he says, my kingdom is not of this world, you can, we can rewrite it and almost hear it as, my kingdom is nothing like any other earthly kingdom that you've ever seen before. My kingdom is nothing like Pharaoh, nothing like Pilate, nothing like Caesar, nothing like Herod. My kingdom is nothing like that. And he says, if my kingdom was of this world, if my kingdom was like that, then my followers would be fighting. Because all of those kings and all of those kingdoms are marked by violence, power, control. I have to keep everything. and I have to fight everyone who's going to challenge my authority. That's what Jesus means. He says, if my kingdom was of this world, we would have violence going on all around us. But my kingdom is nothing like any other earthly kingdom that you have ever seen before. My kingdom, his kingdom, is on full display with everything that happens after this little dialogue that Jesus and Pilate had. Jesus' kingship is marked not by his crown of, of gold and crown of power, but by a crown of thorns. He sits not on a, on a, on a golden throne of power and authority and control, but, but he ascends the throne of the cross. He shows us by that sacrifice the kind of kingship that he is. Not marked marked by oppression, by fear, by control, by power, but marked by self-sacrifice, marked by suffering, marked by love, marked by a willingness to give of himself for the sake of the people whom he loves. That's the kind of kingship that Jesus proclaims to all of us today. And that's precisely why Jesus says, I'm a king, and that we're not living in the kingship of Jesus and not in the democracy of Jesus. Because in a democracy, the rulers, the, the, the presidents, the prime ministers, the representatives, they, in a sense, are held accountable to the people they serve, right? If a president or a representative does something we don't like, we can vote him out. And we can take that power away from him. A king's not like that. A king can't be voted out. He, in fact, is the opposite. He's not held accountable to the people that he serves, but he is the one who orders the people who he serves and the the people who he rules over. And if we're honest, a lot of times, we might rather Jesus to be like a president or a prime minister or a representative. I would much rather, a lot of times, Jesus been to my wills and desires instead of the other way around. Jesus got to be held accountable to what I want. God, can't you just bless my desires? This is what I want. If you can make that happen, that would be great. And if I could say, and if you don't, well, then we're going to go to somebody else who will, right? Jesus says I'm a king, which means that it's precisely the opposite. The hardest thing that we can do a lot of times is surrender my will to surrender my desire to surrender what I want and entrust myself to somebody else. To say, I'm going to sacrifice what I want, and I'm going to trust that what you want, and to trust what your plan is, is greater than what I could ever hope to ask or imagine, or whatever that I can do. Even though that's hard on the surface, I think a lot of times that's actually what we do want. Because if everything rests on me, if everything rests on my desires, and it's up to me to make everything happen, that, uh, it just leads me to a life of endless anxiety, endless fear, endless worry, because I'm always concerned with maintaining control. I have, to, I have to make sure everything's going right. I have to make sure everything's in place. All these earthly kings, Herod, he was constantly afraid that someone else was going to take power from him. He thought that power rested on him, and that led to a miserable kingship for him. Constantly afraid of the next threat, the next thing, the next thing, that I now have to overcome. Because I'm not trusting on anybody else above me. Jesus desires to be our king so that he can bear the weight of that. So that I can entrust myself to him so that the weight doesn't lie on me. The anxiety doesn't rest on my heart but it in fact rests on the Lord. Jesus doesn't want us to live a life of endless anxiety and worry and fear. He wants to carry that burden with us and for us. And for him to do that, we have to allow him. We have to precisely acknowledge, yes, he's the king. He's the one who's in charge, not me. And I can rest because I trust him. And the more I see what kind of king Jesus is, a king not marked by power, oppression, and and, and control, but one marked by love and self-sacrifice? It's a lot easier to entrust myself to that kind of a person. It's a lot easier to entrust myself to one who I know loves me more than anything and is willing to give everything just for my sake. Jesus desires that for us. And the question that Pilate asked Jesus is actually a really good question for us to ask ourselves. Are you the king of the Jews? That's what Pilate asked him. Can ask Jesus the same thing? Are you the king of my heart? Do I allow Jesus to rule over every aspect of my heart, every element of my life he desires? He doesn't want anything to, to be held back from that. Am I holding something back? If I am, chances are it's that area of my life that brings me the most fear, the most anxiety, the most concern, the things that I'm not actually letting Jesus have rule and authority over. And because he's the king of love, he's not going to force his way in. He's not going to use fear and power and control to try to grab the entirety of our hearts. He's going to wait until we allow him to come and to rule every aspect of my life. So as today we celebrate and, and remember that Jesus is truly the king, and we remember what kind of king he actually is. The invitation is to whatever that area of anxiety is, whatever those things in my life that bring me that fear. And trust that to him. Truly let him be the king of everything. That's where we find true peace, and that's where we, um, we experience the peace that the Lord desires us to have.